It's the most wonderful time in Pat's Game Room. Welcome, everyone, to the holiday, completely unnecessary podcast. December 21st, 2021 to Tuesday. That's Ian. Hi. In, in, in the me. warm den up in Buffalo. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like the most... This is the most comfortable place I've ever recorded. This is uh, this is the library or or office, um, and uh, my dad did all the woodwork in here. He's kind of crazy. It was it was a carpenter, right? I, I mean, oh, he was a teacher. I mean, this was only a hobby. Oh, <laughs> and oh, yeah, beautiful. It's, it's pretty. It's pretty nuts. Well, on the show so, today, we'll be talking about. Some deep dive gameplay videos for the Intellivision Amico. We'll be talking a little bit about NFTs. I want to do an update about NFTs because of the comments. Oh, do you? Well, the comments we had from our video last week were kind of funny. So I ignored them entirely. I knew they were going to be a mess. We'll follow up with that a little bit. And then we're going to do a Patreon poll and a Q&A. Well, it might be a shorter one, but I got my little, my little ears. I got it from the dollar store. I have the same as well. They're not going to be short. Antenna. Huh? Soaking up family good vibes. Uh, I do like your antenna. They're very nice. Antenna. Uh, antenna. Those were dollar store purchases. Yeah. Yes. Dollar they look like five. Yeah. <laughs> dollar and a quarter. Um, uh, yeah, I went to Sacramento this past weekend. Boy, I flew to Sacramento. Boy, my arms tired. And uh, if you listen to the exclusive, you can learn more about that. Patreon.com slash CU podcast. You'll learn more about that. Um, I also saw uh, Spider-Man. No way home, Ian. Yeah, and was it as good as you you hoped it would be? It seemed like everyone who was really, really looking forward to it was extremely happy. So I'm happy about that. Um, and yeah, I don't care about spoilers, so this is probably going to be spoilery. Okay, but yeah, so go ahead and tell me what happened. So if you don't want to be spoiled, let's see, we're at like two and a half minutes into the podcast. You probably want to go ahead at least 10 minutes. I ain't going to talk about it for long because I did a 30-minute video review the day I saw it. The Rare Pat movie review came out. So you can watch that. But so, yeah, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Fast forward 10 minutes. If you're on audio or hit pause on your iPod in your car, scramble, get into a car accident to hit, hit the thing. Um, uh, it exceeded my expectations, which I is knew, not something I expected you to say. I didn't think it was. <clears throat> I didn't think it was going to be bad because it's, it's Disney making it and not shitty Sony. I understand that. But, yeah, but you had I, issues with the first one and the second one, right? Oh, I had issues. I had major issues with the first one. I, 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 I don't like. I don't. I, I'm, I'm on record publicly. Uh, I got into arguments with with my buddy Matt McMuscles about. I don't like Iron Lad, Spider Man. I don't like sure. him being under Tony Stark's, uh, uh, being a protege under his fucking foot and and hero worshiping uh, Tony Stark because again, Peter never hero worshipped anyone. The whole point was he was overly arrogant, especially starting out to prove himself because he's a nerd and was an outcast. And so he's like, fuck you all. I can prove myself because I have all these powers. And that's why he got in, into a lot of fights with like the, uh, uh, the human torch uh, specifically uh, Johnny storm back in the day. Cause he represented everything. Spider-Man wasn't like popular and all the women loved him. And you know what I mean? Cool. And Peter wasn't. So like that stuff was all lost. Like they didn't have an, even a modicum of, of that in, in these movies at all. You know, right. Tom Holland's character wasn't, wasn't, I mean, is it is a geeky sort of thing, but geek is now cool. It's, it's it's so it's like you're not really downtrodden. He's going to a school for the gifted in these ones, so it's like, you know, he doesn't have a bad life. So to, especially if you have Tony Stark giving you all this fucking tech, you you don't have a bad life. Spider Man is supposed to struggle. Peter's supposed to struggle. He's he's a working class from working class family 
you know, not, not no money struggling to survive in Queens. And this character is not that, but silver spoons. Exactly. Relying on Tony Stark tech to get you out of your trouble is belittling to the character. And that's how it's been the first couple of movies, especially with all these different suits. So I'll get into. So I don't know if it was planned, but this is like a, a trilogy origin, basically. They, they took him three movies. Again, I don't know if it was planned, but it takes his third movie for him to, to truly establish to me what Spider-Man sort of is. So the big thing is that to me is that they don't ever really address Ben, Uncle Ben, in any of these movies, which I, who I think exists. I think there's like they reference being on our own Aunt May. And I think there's like a picture with Aunt May and an older person in one of them, or older gentleman suitor in one of them. But they never, they never established that. So you don't ever know if Peter had that as it, that's an integral part of his origin is, is letting Uncle Ben die. That's as, as important to that character as it is for Batman's parents having been killed or for Superman being an alien from Krypton. You cannot take that away from the character and have it be that character anymore. I don't care. You can't. Um, that establishes the core uh, ideal of the character and what they stand for. So the first two movies, you haven't had that. They kind of reference that in Civil War briefly, or Spider-Man or Peter Sheeple says, well, if you don't do the right thing, some people can get hurt. So they reference something happened, but not necessarily right. been, been dying. But So in this movie, what they did in a roundabout way was have Aunt May become Uncle Ben. Aunt May gets killed in this movie. Oh, that's a big thing. Yeah, it's big. It's big. It's big. That's big. It's big. Um, you co- sort of see it coming, but it's still very like heartfelt and sad. Uh-huh. And she utters the lie. Oh, dying. But you don't know she's going to be dead. yet. That's the thing. It's one of those things where it's like it's like a fake. Oh, she gets hurt. I, I got it's, it's hard. I, I gave Sony some shit for that last trailer. Because they show like a, like a big moment where MJ is falling, uh-huh. trying to kiss her, and I gave them shit. But like, you really could not have made a trailer for this film without spoiling much of anything. Like, you're gonna you would have to spoil something. So right. you pick and choose what you spoil. So you gave them shit for showing something, but it ended up not being the pinnacle piece that you thought it was going to be. It was just they had to put something in there. That- yes. So my apologies, Sony, because Sony did cut the, cut the trailer. I, it was I Sony it. that cut it. Yeah, because it's they're, they're 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 distributing the movie. Oh right, um, they're putting up most of the money for it. So that was still a big moment, which I which I can talk about. But like they, they basically, this movie goes from Spider Man's life being fucked, um, but but they kind of gloss over it. Uh, uh, my biggest fanboy moment was Charlie Cox showing up as Matt Murdock. That's amazing. I would have lost it up for that. That would have been good. Only like a third of the audience did, but like I went nuts because they finally established, you know, those Netflix characters as being part of the MCU MCU before. It was like, are they really? And now with the Kingpin back uh, on um, the Hawkeye show, they're really starting to establish them again because the, the, the Charlie Cox playing Daredevil could be the closest or one of the best interpretations of a superhero ever. Like yeah, we've said it. I mean, it's it's um, fantastic. It's it, I mean, I it's a character I, dead on. I'm kind of over a lot of the Marvel stuff, but I am interested in what they do with Daredevil because I did enjoy the TV show, and I will watch. Uh, I'll start watching Hawkeye. And, I want to see what Yoshi did, but also I I can't not watch his Kingpin. It's one of the it's great. Uh, uh, Kingpin is one of I think one of I, I, between him and Charlie Cox's Daredevil, you have two of the best castings I've ever seen. Oh yeah, um, and. And so 
they're, they're, they established that the, the, the best part about it is they didn't have to put that in the movie. Like it was like a, th- it was like a minute scene that like you could have cut that out and it would not have lost anything. They did that. Like that was like Kevin Feige, but like, I love this character. We're going to bring him back. I'm putting this in this movie. Like it was one of those sort of things where it's like, you could not, you didn't need it. He only had the one little scene. It was a glorified cameo, but like, the crowd went nuts. It was total fan service. There was a funny payoff. There was jokes with happy and aunt may around the table there. So it goes from that to, you know, asking Dr. Strange to, you know, fix, fix my fuck up. I want to spell where everyone forgets on Spider-Man. Well, except for Ned and except for MJ and Aunt May, I can't tell me. So the, the spell gets screwed up. You think it's contained, but it then gets screwed up. And then basically the spell reverses itself. And ev- everyone who knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man from every other universe comes into their universe. So it, like, it's, it's kind of smart how they do it. So they bring the villains in. So when I saw the, the trailers and everything, I thought that most of the, like, the villains would be glorified like cameos. And they get arcs. like They give them arcs as much as they can between five different villains. So Sandman has some sort of arc, probably the weakest one, but like Electro, Jamie Foxx has an arc. Even the Lizard does a little bit, but like they get they got a lot more lines and screen time than I thought they would get. Alfred Molina was fucking exceptional. Of course he was. As Doc Ock. He was like, people went nuts when they saw him. It was almost a better version of the character than Spider-Man 2, which is, uh, you know, the, the, one of the best superhero movies ever. Well, same guy. So if someone was going to beat it, it would be him. But like they give him a full arc with callbacks and like it's the same character. Like they 17 years later played it like the same as that character. And then Willem Dafoe was incredible, incredible. And you didn't think that he would would be the guy that would be like the main antagonist. They kept that pretty much like a secret that like how much these villains are in this movie. They mm-hmm. all they're like one off battles. No, no, they're in most of the movie. They're in most of the movie. And Willem Dafoe's performance was was exceptional. Like it was better than what he was twenty years ago. Like he, yeah, he's a great him. actor, man. Um, they apparently, he has lot. a huge member too. <clears throat> What's that? Apparently, he has a huge dong. Oh, okay, all right. But um, he came back. He wanted to do most of his own stuff. He's sixty six. He doesn't look that old. He leaves aging. He's in great shape. Where did the huge dong thing come from? Was that- I, I, it was going around with the recent Spider-Man stuff again. Apparently, he's been filmed nude in a number of scenes, and the directors are like, we can't use you because people are only going to focus on the size of your wang. Well, of course, if I got a huge dong, I want to be naked in every movie. Like, like, <laughs> let's do it. I so they care. actually they use stunt cocks for Willem Dafoe that are smaller so that it's not like such a big thing. Literally. Ba-dum-tsh. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, I was I was not amazed, but I was surprised how much the villains got. Um, and then of course, I was worried about that. I was afraid it was going to be like a Spider-Man three thing, which I haven't seen. But, yeah, I mean, I was afraid it was just going to be too much. Tried to cram into how long was the movie? Two and a half two hours, fifteen. So they, there's enough time to build it out. Okay. Um, there's only like four set pieces in the whole movie. There's the a very very well done Doctor Octopus site the fight that it might be better than the Spider-Man two fight that's done in the highway uh then you have spider-man trying to get the magic box from dr strange because if he hits the button it'll basically reset and send send the villains back which, which most of them go back to their deaths and so that's why dr strange is like well screw them they gotta get out of here and spider-man's like well i want to give them a second chance and that's where the great power responsibility thing comes in because he feels responsible for their lives he doesn't want to send them back to be killed so I'm like okay that's kind of clever i kind of get that i kind of get it um and then of course the big thing is that there's like Basically, he tries to reform all the villains. It goes haywire. He's like, okay, we can think of tech to basically get you all back 
like cure green goblins insanity from the serum mm-hmm. cure electro is electricity cure the lizard you know i mean uh he does the chip to alfred molina's dr octopus to put him back in control so he becomes a protagonist for the rest of the movie dr octopus he helps them out oh like, this is cool this is like this is some good stuff here and, and it was interesting seeing the interplay between like alfred molina and willem dafoe because they're from the same universe, but they, but in those movies, obviously they're not in the same movies. But they talk to each other like they knew each other for years. So it was like, wow, this is—they're doing some decent writing here. Like they're—they're they're not just throwing this shit together. They're—they're they're putting some layers on this. That I was kudos to the right, the two writers who wrote it. I forget their names. Um, then of course the other fear was, well, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to show up for like the last twenty minutes, and that's it. Oh no, no, no! They show up. I, I clocked it. They show up about an hour. Uh, 20, 25 into the movie, uh, roughly. Oh, so they, they get up, about 45 minutes to an hour. 45 to 50, 50 minutes to go. They, nice. they get they get time to shine. They get time to interact all through each other, like in the lab together, because they go back to trying to fix the villains and stuff. Besides, you know, they don't want to just kill them. They want to fix them. And you see a lot of things brought back, uh, references. And uh, Andrew Garfield's character is still bitter from the, the, the death of, of Gwen Stacy. They made Spider-Man Two, and and Tobey Maguire's characters. He alludes to, yeah, we, you know, we made it work. Me and, and MJ. So it's like, okay, I wish I would have saw Kirsten Dunst. That's one of my main main problems. You don't see her. Oh, all. she wasn't like, in it. No, I thought they would like go back to their worlds and you'd see them at back with their worlds for a, a couple of seconds, like like fifteen seconds, maybe an extended cut. I would love to yeah. see Sally Sally Field, uh, her Aunt May, and I'd love to see Kirsten Dunst. That was my one of my main issues was that. But maybe maybe in an extended cut because you can tell they probably cut things out. But they get chance to interact. Their inter- their chemistry between the three of those actors is better than you think it's going to be between them because they basically have different personalities as, as Peter. They're, they're, Andrew Garfield's Peter is way different than Toby's, different than Tom Holland's because they're different versions, so to yeah. speak. Um, and it's really funny. All the leaks were real. All of them. The, the, yeah. the 4D video of Andrew Garfield moving was directly shot in the movie minus like the effects. The, I, I mean, it was it. So someone took that almost direct feed. Could have been someone at Sony or Marvel right. to get the word out. Like it was the direct. And then like the, the photo was direct. I was like, okay, that's the photo. The Charlie Cox, like there's Charlie Cox. Like, they were all real. None of them were fake. So maybe, maybe awesome. Marvel leaked. Maybe Disney leaked because they wanted to make sure people knew these people were in the movie. Maybe. So yeah, it exceeded expectations. The fights were brutal. Um, Willem Dafoe, uh, when he when he goes back to the Green Goblin, he tricks him because he gets, it's the it's the, the good versus the bad. He fucking power bombs Spider Man through like three sto- stories of the of the uh, of the building, like brutal hand to hand combat, like inside this like condo or apartment complex. And I'm like, this is this is like raw some of this, right? Um, so the fight scenes were well done. Yeah, there's a lot of effects in CG for the finale because you have all the like four or five villains fighting each other, things like that. But no, I was like. This isn't perfect, but this is like, I tried to say, can I do an un-Spider-Man bias on this film? And I said, okay, for a Spider-Man fan, this is like a 10 out of 10. Non-Spider-Man fan, I think I settled on like an eight and a half, maybe a nine, but I was trying to be like reasonable. Okay, take your Spider-Man bias out of it. Out of it. This is one of the better uh, MCU movies by far because the, thematically it gets Spider-Man right. This is the Spider-Man closer to what I wanted. And it ends up at the end of the movie they actually show him he sews his own fucking costume at the end. And it's a, it looks like a traditional Romita-esque era, you know, mid to late 60s Spider-Man costume. No fucking tech. So establishes this is Spider-Man. It took you three movies to get to Spider-Man. This is it. And I was like, okay, I didn't agree with them because three movies should not be a full origin, but whatever, they did it. 
And now this is like fully Spider-Man. And supposedly they're going to do like a college trilogy of films. They're going to do three more with him as like the college trilogy. And I'm like, all right, I'm in. I'm in. That'll I want Craven. That'll be fun. I want Craven. You know what's uh, <clears throat> you know perfect in any universe? What's that, Ian? Uh, UltimateNintendo.com. That's right, Ian. You can, uh, you can have your multiverse of fun with uh, guidebooks, <laughs> RBI baseball stickers, which I sold in Sacramento the past week and also get into. Um, you got the enamel pins and more. And limited T-shirts as well. Ian's a thousand, two thousand miles away. You can still hear it. Three thousand, um, two thousand, yeah, two thousand miles away. And uh, yeah, and I'll be doing a, a holiday Twitch stream Wednesday, Twitch.tv/slash/CountryCode. So I went to Sac-, Sac Gamers Expo this, this last weekend. Thanks so much for having me out there. And uh, there was a guy there, like early twenties. Just saw him from the eyes up. We all had masks on. He's like, "Hey, I'm 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 the the, the guy or kid who gave you." the role of RBI baseball stickers. And now, you know what? I recognize him in that moment. Like, <laughs> I was like, that's him. Probably, but he was like 14 when he did it or 15. Now he's like 21, 22. And um, so I got the story wrong I, in my head. He gave it the role to me at one of the pre- previous uh, SoCal retro gaming expos. He said he found it at a swap meet. I thought I got it at a swap meet from him. So in my head, the story got screwed up. Ah, gotcha. So, yeah. Yeah, I should have t- I should have taken a picture with him. I brought some some stickers. I should have taken a picture with him. But it was very nice to see him. He he was selling there with a group of like three or four guys that were selling, you know, games there. But I, I didn't buy anything there. There was wasn't a, a lot for me to to buy anymore. Uh, I've I've been to five conventions this year, and for actual game stuff like games, not like plush or weird shit, uh, or like the like the fucking link costume that doesn't count. For actual game stuff, I don't think I've spent even a hundred dollars this year. Sure, games. What is there you still need? Not counting like, you know, hardware or whatever I, I come across, but like, no, that that's like people I got. There was one, there was one seller there where like he, it's almost like it wasn't clicking. I'm not, I'm not trying to shot, shot him, but like he wasn't understanding. He's like, so Pat, what are you buying these days? I'm like, well, you know, I'm not really buying much anymore. You know, I, I have my few sets that I have and, you know, I'm kind of slowing down and it's like, it's almost like the words didn't get through. It was sure. like, like, second time. But you're still buying stuff, right? Like you're you're buying stuff and collecting. I was like, no, I'm like I'm I'm really not buying anything anymore. I'm just yeah. not. It almost was, it felt like a, almost like a shock to the person. I guess it's like that doesn't make any sense to stop collecting. But I guess to some people <laughs> it doesn't make sense. I was like, no, I'm done. I'm done. Like I'll yeah. still buy things here and there, but I'm done. I'm not hunting on eBay anymore. You know what I mean? I'm not going to the swap. I go to swap swapping like once every three months at this point because there's nothing there anyway. And it, it's just um, it's amazing. I guess that you know. Until you get to that point, you guess you can't imagine not buying stuff anymore and collecting. Well, the analog pocket is, I mean, I, I finally have stuff that I'm looking for again now, you know, game gear games, et cetera. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not really looking for much of anything either. It's just, there's only so many Game Boy games you can buy. And I got and my Crix multi-carts on the way. Sure. So I got that on the way and that'll, that'll be like most of the, it's, it's funny. I was, I was an idiot. And I bought both the Master System and the Genesis one. The Genesis one supports Master System games. I didn't realize. Yep. So I bought the Master one. I'm like, oh, whatever. Now I got both. I guess I want to play in a Master System. You got a full set. I, I forgot the Genesis one uh, supports the Sega CD games. I forgot that. Some of them. Yeah. The, I mean, the newest one. Yeah. So like, I was okay, I'm set. I got the Game Boy. I got them all. I, I did the 20% off sale. I was like, fuck it. I'll spend 500 bucks and get the rest of them. I got them all. I just don't have the Lynx and Jaguar ones, which are available. I think on Atari Age, you can get those. I don't have the Vectrex one either, but you know it's a Vectrex. I have the multi. I have the um, 
I have the multi-card metrics one though. I got that the Sean Kelly's famous one that has mm-hmm. everything in the homer. So that's that's pretty much that. So yeah, don't need a whole lot more. What else is going on, Ian? I've been playing a lot of the pocket. It's been my my travel buddy. Um, not a whole lot else. I've been sitting around and chatting with my parents, uh, drinking whiskey. This is the first time uh, seeing your parents in what a couple of years? Two and a half years. Two and a half. Okay, yeah, wow. And it was three years between because of my gut issues and because of like, um, you know, uh, work and uh, conventions and whatnot that I had to do. It was three years before that. And I get along great with my parents. I love my parents, get along wonderfully with my family. So it's been tough not seeing them as much as I'd like. I usually try to, you know, there was a long time there where I was trying to get back at least for a little bit once a year. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, it's just been nice to sit around and, and chat and I've had a ton of fun um hanging out and playing with my niece and nephew. Um, because my niece is nine now and my nephew is five and um they're they're full they're full on little people at this point. The little people they have they're full, yeah, they're exactly. Um, you know, Lucy was kind of at that point when, uh, the last time I was home, um, but obviously even more so now. And, uh, Ollie was Alejandro was, uh, too young to remember me the last time I was home and, um, him and I have just gotten along like, uh, like, like nothing else. It's really kind of heartwarming. Um, within like an hour of me being here the first day, he like just jumped onto the couch and sat in my lap and uh, we've just been, we've been buddies. Uh, yeah, I love it. So that's cool. I got to see, um, a bunch of my family members, uh, at the family Christmas party on the 19th and I'm going out to play pinball with a bunch of them tomorrow and a couple of local friends. The only sad thing is we were supposed to go up to, um, Toronto, to have dinner with our friend Kelly. Uh, every time Vonnie and I come back to Buffalo, we go uh, up to Toronto, sometimes for a few days, sometimes for just one, you know, this time it was just going to be one day just to have dinner. And uh, the COVID stuff threw a huge wrench in the gears. Um, you know, the tests that they require now are uh, far more expensive. You need the more expensive tests. And it was just like, it was going to be $500 to get us over the you border. The anybody, not the antigen. Is that why? You can't do rapid antigens. You've got to do antibody. whatever. Yeah, the antibody test it or whatever more time, it is. But it's more, it's more precise, but it takes more Sure, time. and I get it. It was just that wasn't the case two weeks ago when we made the reservations, and I knew it was a risk and uh, gambled and lost on it. But other than that, it's been a great trip. Still got a few days to go, and um, yeah, I'm loving being home. No snow, though. No snow? No snow. It's like 60 degrees. Nah, it's like 39 today, but when I landed here, it was, uh, or the day before we got here, it was 65. It wasn't too bad when we landed here. Even Vonnie's doing okay. She's doing better than she She's expected with the cold. Well, the first time she came here, the first time I brought her here, and I think it was 2009, um, it, that was the first time she had ever like been in snow. I mean, it was you know a, a true shock, but I think she's finally getting used to it. Well, to degree. Sacramento to was degree. Like, it was like 30 six degrees when i arrived in, in sacramento so i was like because okay, northern california is cold yeah it's cold so i was like it was like not a shock like, oh, I, I almost missed this cold air a little bit like if it's good I, I, I love it i feel alive I, I breathed it and i was like i took off the mask outside the airport i was like ah okay this is the brisk air i do like this yeah it's refreshing and i understand people who don't want to live in it or who don't love it i get it i don't love heat but for me that's that's it like that 39 40 degree 35 degree weather 
where like you feel that yeah. chill as you breathe in. I 40 degrees. I live for that. 40 degrees is it. Because at 40 degrees back in Jersey when I was there, I used to tell people I didn't wear a jacket unless it hit freezing. Oh, yeah, I, I don't. Just I've, been walking shirt. I've been walking around in a hoodie all <laughs> the, the whole trip. No, I would literally just have a long sleeve shirt. When I went out, it was, it was like 42 degrees, 43. I would just wear a long sleeve shirt. I was fine. Yeah. I, I just, you adjust to it. You adjust. Yeah. Plus, I had probably a little more blubber. So I, it was, <laughs> kept me warm. Northeast blubber. Um, no, Grant, I'm glad you're having fun. I'll, I'll be doing my Feast of the Seven Fish with, with uh, Christmas Eve meal with Frank around which my entire life revolves that around yeah, at night. I like living vicariously through your Feast of the Seven Fish. Oh, you get some, you get some of the fringe benefits. You get some of the Struffoli every I do get some of the Struffoli. You're, nice, yeah. you're nice to pat. Give you some Struffoli. Nice oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, it is delicious. <laughs> it, it's, it's fantastic. Um, Oh, by the way, a new flea market, new flea market Manus is out, which is a holiday one because I did, I filmed it December two thousand fifteen, volume forty three. Check it out out there. It just it sort of lined up that way. You know, end of the year six years ago. Jesus, can I go back to there? Just like can we live in two thousand fifteen? <laughs> I don't want to live in. <sighs> no, you don't want to live anytime. You don't like want to live in the eighties. No, it's it's true. I don't want to live anytime. <laughs> Uh, it's a hassle at all. It's a hassle every era. I want. I want to live in the time of the Astro City Mini Five. Oh, the Astro City Mini Five looks fucking great, and it's too expensive. <laughs> I had no idea they did five of these. Um, there's lots of Astro Cities. Okay, uh, I think five. it looks awesome. So this is great. It's it's shooter focused, and two of the games. Um, I can't remember exactly which ones. Let's see if I can figure, if I can suss that out. Uh, two of the games have never been ported before uh, to home ports. They've only been the arcade titles. Um, but a lot of this is shooters. Um, we've got like classics like Armed Police Batrider. We've got Batsugun, uh, Dogun, uh, Truxton 2, uh, the first Tatsujin, which is Truxton, Samurai Aces, Raiden, Mooncresta, Gunbird, Grindstormer. Uh, Fire Shark, which I love. This is like they give you is, Wrestle War. Like, yeah, they give you Wrestle War. Jackson, they give you the old Jackson. Jackson. Um, yeah, Outzone and Dogun are the first times they've, they've ever been ported. Wow. Uh, um, I like a lot of these mini cabinets and was tempted by the Taito Egret too. Um, but it was really expensive. This though, like, I put a thirteen-minute video showing you all the games. Which is nice, and, and a lot of these are like obviously easily easy to licensed ones, like yeah, Samurai Aces, Action Fighter, um, like Strikers nineteen forty five, Samurai Aces, um, Arrow Fighters. Those have all been like ported a billion times, but some of these are really like really impressive, like ports. So I, I would love this. Um, this looks very cool. Is this sort of thing though? At some point, you can just hack it and put all the other ones from the other ones on here. Probably, <sighs> probably. Uh, I don't know that this has a rotatable screen, though. The Egret did, which is one of the right. big things. You could change like the screen. Obviously, I think that you could probably look into these and hack them. But we are getting to the point, like it was with the uh, the uh, the Zelda Game & Watch, is that some of these games are so small that there are really cheap memory amounts that they can put in them, which makes it almost pointless to hack. Like, there's no point in hacking the Game & Watch. There's probably a point to hacking these, but I don't know if anyone's going out of their way to do it. You know, I mean, if it's not, if there's no SD card, if it can't hold, you know, everything, I think people are probably just leaving them the way they are. Looks like most of these games are vertical anyway. They're all one. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm not certain. Wrestle War should be, would I think would be Let's see, traditional. 
No, it's vertical. At least on this. Yeah, it's vertical. Wrestle War? Yeah, I'm looking at the okay. trailer. Yeah, no, those are all verticals. So, God, I love Wrestle War. I'm, I'm so mad I never got a port to North America that came out in uh, the Mega Drive in Japan with, with freaking Hulk Hogan on the cover. They, didn't, they don't care about that stuff. Right. They don't care about, oh, what's copyright and using people's appearances? You don't own your face, Hogan. <laughs> we own you. We'll throw in every fire pro game ever before, ever ever, ever established. So, all right, what's this going to cost? Two about two hundred bucks. What did the other ones cost about? About that? Uh, I think the egret was like one forty, but then if you wanted like the um, the Arkanoid spinner with the expansion ROMs and stuff, that was like another hundred or something. That's right. Actually, it yeah. might have been even more than that because I remember that full thing. Everyone was like. Like if you bought all the expansions for the Egret Mini, I think you ended up at like four hundred dollars. Yeah, it was it was it was shit. nice, but like yeah, it was because you had the extra paddle controller. That's right. These are super nice, but they are spendy. This is like the first one, like I said, that I think makes me almost consider dropping the cash on it. But I, I'll probably pass. Okay, well, it's one of those things where I guess if you got one of the other ones, you want the different lineups. You're gonna what do you put them up on a table? You have all four, or five, five of them there. I mean, it is cool to see these. I mean, they're they're iconic cabinets. So, yeah, it is neat to have them as, like, a little collectible piece, too, I suppose. Has it really been fire, or they just called it the five? No, no. The, well, the the other ones weren't Astrocades. They were different. So, oh, no, there was an Astrocade. There was an Astro. Yeah, there was, there was an Astro. There was, there was an Astro City. Oh, yeah, there was. There was that well, one. Not, Sega so, did one with the, uh, yeah, because yeah, it had, like, Virtua Fighter and shit on it. Yeah, we I don't think it. there's been five of them. I think that's okay. just the model of the cabinet. Okay. I was just, okay. So this is like the second one. Yeah. They, they came out earlier this year. Yeah. Um, the Astro City Mini. Yeah. It had, uh, you're right. It had, had the Sega stuff on it, it looks like. I uh, had Fantasy Zone Golden Axe. Yeah, we covered this. So this is the yep. second one they've done, but this is now. The model is the Astro City 5. I think gotcha. the, yeah. But, the, but between that, this, the two Astro City Minis, the, the, the title one. There's the SNK Neo Geo one. Are we missing one? Is there another? Is there a fifth one? There's the Taito Egret, this, the SNK Mini, and yes, I do think there's one we're missing somewhere, but I don't know what it okay. is. There's like four or five of them. Okay, that's, that's interesting. Imagine they put out a, a Nintendo Play Choice one. Oh, boy. With time limits and everything? Oh, no. That would be actually fucking... Oh, boy. Nintendo, I just gave you a, project, a, a product for next Christmas. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> That actually would that would sell ridiculously a Play Choice Ten Mini. Wow, how come I didn't think of that before? Oh, right yeah, there. no, that would sell very well. That it, it'd be a kiosk thing. You could put ten games in it. Some some third party they have most of the first party ones. Oh, that would sell. You, you sell that for two fifty. Everyone buy that. Like they, yeah, and then you can link up two of them. Ooh, that would be sweet. Link that would be cool. Get the get the red ver- red versus cab. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, do a tank cab. Yeah, uh, NFTs Ian. Fuck them. Um, Kickstarter might start to use NFTs. Fuck Has NFTs. Just kicked up more the past month than what what I, I I've been getting. I'm not gonna. I should out some of them. I I'm getting emails now every week to do NFTs from random yeah. people from all over from different different parts of the world. Some are like condescending. An NFT is this, and I'm like, all right. And they okay, well, you, we can do an NFT for you. And I'm like, okay, great. It seems like we're reaching some sort of like zenith point of NFTs really quickly, starting from the spring where everyone discovered what they were to only like eight, nine months later. It's like, okay, we're now, everyone's trying to do them, but now we're getting fucked. Now it's a war against it. Well, I think this is kind of like, 
I think what kind of happened is, you know, these, these haven't been around forever earlier this year. And I think the way, you know, the corporate world works, I think a lot of people had ideas then and they fleshed them out and now they're presenting what they discussed completely ignoring the backlash against them that's occurred over the past, you know, five months or so. Um, this Kickstarter one is particularly egregious um, because even though they have, they said that it was going to help creators. Everyone was like, bullshit. It's not going to help creators. Then they came back and they said, we're doing this because it's going to help creators. And then they released an FAQ that they were like, answers all your questions. And the FAQ is just more vague buzzwords and fluffy bullshit. Nothing that it's going to do is going to make any difference to anyone who's ever had a project on Kickstarter. It's just what, not. What is it? Give me a coin that I could, I can trade in for money. Like what, like what is it going to do? I, I don't know. Everything is still going to act in cash. It's literally, they, they're just, I saw this online. This is not an original thought, but it was funny. And I'm like, you know how there's all these fucking coins. So this is running on the, uh, what, what is the Stilo. network? Celo. Um, it, it, someone's like one of these guys who runs Kickstarter probably got fucking suckered into buying a fucking shitload of this coin and now wants to make it into something. So they're just going to go ahead and, torpedo their entire business by trying yeah, to force it, it on the goes up. that's the thing i guess it's like well maybe you can if like you can train like the creators will be able to transfer it to this coin then if the coin goes up you can make more money but the coin can go down in, in value because it's like what the fuck do you do with these with these cryptos well, like i said everything they, they keep saying everything's going to keep going in cash it's just they're going to run it on this blockchain which is you know a way for people who have a lot of this coin to to make this coin worthwhile I, I i swear someone at kickstarter's got to be sitting on a pile of this and they're like well i got to make this a good business decision instead of a bad one the, the whole thing with the nfts and the crypto it the whole thing is pump and dump that's it that's yeah. it it's just it, can i find a bigger idiot that'll will, will spend more on it than what i bought it for that's it that's, and, i'm not being uh, too, too simplistic that's what this stuff is yeah that's all it is yep that's it there's no use to this stuff so when we commented on the Ubisoft and get into it, we, of course, had like to some people say, you don't understand it. You don't understand. And one of these assholes gets in the, in the comment and said, you want to be you want to get on it now because in the future it might be too late. And it's oh, just like, OK, they well, love doing that, that, then, yeah. oh, what is this? What is this then? A pyramid scheme? You got to get right. it early or else it has no value. So then you're telling me what it is. You're trying to fleece everyone after you. That's what this all is. It's just, yep. it's just a money making scheme. That's all it is. Yes. That's it. Don't even try to pretend it's not that. You're just a slime ball who wants to sucker the people behind you to get into it. That's mm-hmm. all it is. That's all it's ever been. Yes. And, and now we're, we're finally having more and more people come out against it. Like our pal, chillest dude ever. I love him. One of my favorite people, Alex Bassiani. Good old Alex. Does, it was just the timing because I think there was an artist that, or there was some asshole saying, oh, NFT, show your, your, um, it shows you, your status digitally. I think a lot of people respond to that asshole. It's like, you're just a fucking loser if you need a fucking digital status of NFT or whatever. Alex said, don't buy NFTs, you stupid idiots. You stupid, stupid idiots. And Alex doesn't usually talk like that, which shows you how upset he is about NFTs. Digital status, what the fuck are you talking about? You can't even prove your own identity on here, much less whether you own some stolen Hellboy art. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Then he says, find me a creative who loves and supports NFTs, who has nothing to directly gain from them. Um, then he says, finally, NFT owner, these things are the future. And if you get in now, if you get in now, right. you'll end up rich. You always get in now. 
literally anyone without fuck you money who's interested in NFTs. Okay, nice. I'll use my savings on this pirated pick of Scarlet Witch. NFT owner. Okay, but if you end up broke, that's on you. Yeah, and there's a good reply here, too. um, That's just like, you could financially support artists by commissioning them. It's not like like this is the magic. It's not like there's been no way to give artists money online. Yes. And that's what they're acting like. This is the first way for a digital artist to get paid. I don't know. I commission art pretty frequently but there's no there's no fomo and easy right there's no fomo there's, there's you, you can't you can't get rich on it that way sure no that's what it is you, you don't give if a it was about actually it. about owning art and paying artists it would just be commissions and no i saw a thread about how artists have some artists have sold their souls on this uh, oh yeah was, i talked about it last week unfortunately but the means of that they're doing it they're basically doing the same thing we've seen with with, with fucking graded games or any other collectible where it's like well how do you show your stuff is worth money? You fake, you use another account to buy your own shit. It's like, oh, I just, and then you announce it. Oh, I just sold an NFT for, I think I saw the example, like for $12,000. Yeah, you create an account and sold it for $12,000 and some idiot then buys it for like $14,000 based upon the artificial inflation that you gave it by buying yourself. So it's like, this, this is, this is bizarro land. And if ninety, if 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 the ninety five percent of us who are reasonable have to shout this stuff down constantly and call the other five percent grifting idiots, then we're going to continue to do it. As far as I'm concerned, yeah, because this is the most transparent scheme I have ever seen. Like, like I, I've never seen companies go forward so so pig headedly in in the face of near universal um, backlash. And the fact that people have to bend over backwards to, to tell, say it's not a scheme that are invested. Like, if I want to hear someone that has no investment in any of this shit and these NFTs tell me, give me the reason why it's great. Oh, yeah, that's a big thing. I, I can, fi- I mean, and that, that should be a major red flag. I can find no one who's not invested in these who talks positively about them. It's only people who suddenly have something to lose or gain. At, at the SAC Gamers Expo, I sat down. Jay was next to me at the table, Jay from the Game Chasers. He hasn't been keeping up with any of this. I sat down and I explained the NFT to him and tried And I saw his mind move. He never, and I said, okay, Jay, you're buying something online, but you're not buying the item. You're, you're buying a receipt for an item that you don't own. And then you hope that re- the receipt that you bought for that goes up in value for, the, for that item. And that's how it works. You buy and sell the receipt. You don't own the rights to, to the NFT. Right. You have a receipt for an item you don't own. And the look on his face was like, he just said, well, that's fucking stupid. I was like, yes. Yes, it is. But this is yeah, a system now. He, he understood it was fucking stupid immediately. Like most people with common sense realize that it's fucking stupid. You're passing digital receipts back and forth to shit you don't own. You don't own it. You don't own it. Dumb. You, you, own, a, you own a facsimile of something that someone else owns. <laughs> yeah oh boy that's fun stuff you good stuff fun stuff i'm sure we'll get the comments again you don't get it you're gonna be out you're gonna be left out i'm gonna my bank account's gonna grow eight thousand percent and it's like that's fine dude you do you you don't care yeah. about people you want to scheme and grift off people that says a lot more yeah you, you, you get your fucking nft money good for you good for you the best yeah, even if I, I'm not. I'm not impressed. Like you are a shallow, awful person. Yeah. And the best <laughs> thing I got about status, when people are like, "Whoa, it's the same thing with like Lamborghinis." Like you can drive a Lamborghini. 
Right. And, the, the, and then the final best comment I, I saw said, no one's getting laid based upon their NFT. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> absolutely not. You want to come to my computer and see the NFTs I own? You want to come back to my, my apartment? I'll show you my NFTs. No, no, no one fucking cares. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ian. Pat. Uh, it's, it's uh, God, Christmas is coming early this month. Oh, yeah. Um, with, with deep gameplay, dive, deep dive gameplay videos for the Intellivision Amico. Uh, I don't even know where to like launch in since it, we we kind of uh, skipped a week in terms of media oh, yeah. coverage. We, we, uh, there's been a, there's been a few. We saw that we we covered the disastrous first one for uh, tank battle slash battle tanks. Yep, there's a third name. Uh, they came out with Shark Shark and Missile Command. Um, there was also an article that came out another another German uh, games site or actually print pu- uh, publication M Games covered and played the Amico for several uh, hours. Hans Ippisch, the, the head of Intellivision in, in Germany there, brought it over to show it off. The same way we, we talked about, I think in November was Heinz, uh, the, the people that, not, not the catch up, it was H-E-I-N-S-E. Heiss. Heiss? Oh, Heiss. No, no N. Heiss. Covered Heiss. it. H-E-I-S-E. Yep. And were not favorable to it. Uh, and M was not favor- uh, favorable t- towards it as well. But let's, yeah, they were they were further less favorable. They were they were less favorable than Heiss. Heiss, you could tell they were kind of like beating around the bush. I can't imagine that Hans Ippich or Tommy are happy with this because so far these have been fairly controlled things with people trying to be positive. This is not positive. It doesn't. It stops just short of trashing the entire thing, but it has nothing positive to say about it. So you might ask yourself, well, why? If this isn't positive, why would they be showing them off to? And why, why are these German publications and, and outlets? Well, if you remember, we constantly bring up that in television and Tommy tries to sweep under the rug. They got several hundred thousand dollars of Bavarian grant money to help produce these in television games, these Amico games. I feel like that's the only money they've really, truly had to play with. Well, without that, feel- they wouldn't have most of these games developed. for the, for the Right, market. exactly. The only progress we've seen has really kind of come from this money. So what it seems to be is that one of the conditions from the German government is like, well, you have to show off what you're doing to these publications. It's part of almost like, yeah, you can't just take the money and be like, we're working on it. We promise. (laughs) It's a good faith thing to make sure that you're not just stealing the money. Probably that's why they're doing it. Cause these are not, these articles do not look good. So I guess we'll go over the articles first before we get into the gameplay videos. Yeah. Why not? So, um, Oh, is it? topfree.de has a translated summary of it, Ian, if you want to go through that uh, here. And um, this is some of the highlights. I have the whole article, by the way, um, translated in, in a document. But uh, this, is, this, is, this is the uh, this is for editorial staff. Stefan Heller from Endgames took a close look at the Intelligent Amico game console and wrote a short one-pager from it in the current section. The editor's conclusion is interesting. This is the conclusion. After several hours of hands-on, we currently still have doubts that the console can distinguish itself as the Wii's successor. Jerky performance of the games and the complex menu navigation, exactly what Heist said. Yep. Exactly what they, it took minutes, remember, to get into a game? Um, yeah. 
But above all, the slightly spongy control, I said that as well, via the turntable caused us problems again and again, and the movement control degenerated into wild waving. We'll get into that in a minute. The touchscreen is suitable for simple entries in hectic titles. It seems anything but intuitive. It takes a long time to get used to it. We were also still skeptical, skeptical about the announced games. Announced game replenishment or games. So basically like the release schedule and whether or not these are actually coming out, basically. But basically they're saying we we don't have faith in like any of these games, (laughs) like actually coming out. So the spongy controls, uh, I said that as well. Spongy buttons. We always said these better not be spongy uh, buttons. Those little, little, uh, you know, top ones. They're talking about spongy control on the turntable. They're talking about the disc. Oh, Oh. well, that's not good. Right. Okay. Oh, that's not good at all. You don't want spongy controls. You don't, uh, sponges are cute little animal creatures things, but you don't want that as your, as your control mechanism. Now, Tommy um, really thought he was reinventing the fucking wheel here, and instead he's just made a big fucking brick of shit that no one wants to touch. So the wild waving, what is that in reference to? Well, the, M- the M article doesn't say it, but my insider info is that they did show off Cornhole to oh. M, <laughs> and it was a, a mess. Yep. It, it just was not functioning right. And so from what I hear... Um, you know, uh, Hans is, 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 is upset at the coverage that's been happening. You're forced to do it because it's part of the reason you, you have these games to begin with is showing these off to these driven publications, but they are not shills. They are not cultists. They, they are being objective and they know that this is garbage, right? They played it for several hours. So this isn't just like, Oh, you got to play it to see what it's all about. Or else you can comment on it. Well, two major German games publications have tried it and are not impressed. Uh, Something else to point out about this that does not look good at all um, is that um, this has been posted twice on the official Amico subreddit, Uh and they've deleted it each time. Oh, they deleted it the second time? I thought it was up again. It was up, and then someone said it was posted again and then deleted again, so maybe they tried putting it up a third time. But, um, you know, it's one thing to... I don't agree with it. It's one thing to, you know, uh, eliminate posts based on YouTubers that you don't like who have been negative on it. Yeah, but when you start, but when you start eliminating actual magazine coverage, because it's not favorable, that looks awful. Zadok pay. It's a piece of shit. Oh yeah. I did see that uh, yesterday on the official Amico uh, form, which is a corporate form, which isn't allowed by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone said, why was it deleted? Like, this is a real publication trying it. What's going on here? I, it got a lot of comments. You're right. Today it's gone. It's been wiped. Yep. It's been wiped. Yep. So don't believe what you're, don't believe your lying eyes, basically. That's where we're at with this stuff. Hide, yeah. hide it from the, uh, the Amico Reddit people that, you know, or let's see, there's 1.4 thousand people, but I guarantee you most of those people are just there along for the train wreck. They're not ordering a console, but some probably are. And to them, it's probably fair. If I have pre-order money, if I had pre-order money, on this and you're keeping negative criticism away from me in the hopes that I stick around for the ride. Well, yeah, you're, you're, you're one step above a fly by night company that you're not yep. allowing me to see honest criticism of a product that's being pre-ordered that I've waited now, you know, over Three years a year to get from, I mean, yeah, sure. It'll be two years from March since the first pre-orders two years since March. So um, yeah, very damning. Uh, there's more in the full article. I guess it's not worth going over. Well, I can go through if you want. You yeah, want I mean, we can we can keep moving on this. I mean, it's 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 it, it, the, the important stuff is basically the controller is shit. 
<laughs> the games are jerky, they said, when it comes to control. Um, they say there's some lag with the touchscreen, I believe. It's, yeah, it, it's basically everything we know, but we're finally seeing it in magazine publications. And this has probably been the most full-throated a German publication has been about it. I'll, I'll, I'll add a couple more from there. Uh, if you are in, this is from the M article. If you're, if you are in the action, thus the turbo and the hectic titles, how you activate Astro Smash, you to hit the screen. That works anything but intuitive and takes a lot of getting used to. Again, when you have to have clicky buttons or buttons and then tapping and it controls, when you have three different ways to control on one controller, basically, or four, it's not intuitive. Uh, then they say there are more than 80 titles in development. Pff, okay. No. Uh, but most of them are just porting oldies. Just under 20 euros seems steep compared to the competition. And Earthworm Jim 4, on the other hand, uh, sp- sprays the hope that the Amico not only in the long term serves a recycling point of contact. All right. That, that didn't come through. Uh, Earthworm Jim 4 is not being worked on. No. I would love to be proven ro- wrong. And I, still no, I mean, Tommy already said it wasn't being worked on. I, I love to see people hold out uh, hope for that. All right. That's the M article. All right. Let's talk about Shark Shark, shall we? I mean, sure. Here's the thing with these. Shark Shark and, and Missile Command, we're going into them. I don't have a, to- a ton to say because this is, we're finally at the point. We're at the last thing. This is the, now people need to defend just awful, shitty looking games. Even if these controlled perfectly fine, they are still games that you can see Tommy and John getting bored with within five minutes of playing when they're doing these, these demonstrations. Um, and it's interesting to see people get excited about them or pretend to be excited about them because if you wanted shitty $3 action arcade games, the switch is full of them yet. There's no one out there genuinely covering these garbage titles on the switch. Why? Because there's no Tommy Tallarico to, to puff up. Um, there's no genuine interest in stuff like this. And that, and that's the thing I find the most disingenuous is the people who are like, well, switch has these. Well, then why don't you just play them on the Switch? Mm-hmm. Oh, these games don't look that bad. Well, then why don't you cover games like this on the Switch or the PS4 or, or any other system? Or on your has, phone. Or on your phone. Any other, you, you could, if this is what you love, if this is your thing, you could have been covering this for years. Mm-hmm. But you don't. You just love Tommy Tellerico and the Amico. Because it's not about the games. Right. It's not about the games at this point. It's about proving the haters wrong. Uh, or or, or it's, it's, the, it's the sunken cost fallacy. I've invested all my emotion and time and right. maybe hundreds of hours of YouTube videos uh, you know, into covering this, this train wreck. I can't stop now. So I I'm going to sit here and tell you with a straight face that yeah. I'm really excited to play Shark Shark for three hours. So I'll, talk, I'll tell you about Shark Shark uh, here. I still, like, you look at this video, it's like, yeah, there's like, it's like three minutes to get into the game. Pick the color of your fish, which matches the glow on your controller. Which I, I never knew even a four-year-old playing a video game, and, and you know what character you're controlling in your video game. You don't yes. you need a constant reminder to look at your controller. This is such a huge gimmick that like it's in, increasingly more and more transparent about this LED shit, where please show me where this LED thing is going to matter. I mean, I still, I still remember me. Tommy specifically addressing me in an Atari age post where I was like, so he said that these games can't be done without this controller. And he's like, yes, these games can't be done without it. Show me anything that is truly unique. Anything here. I like that this, this pick up and play thing. Then you go and there's like a whole fucking like instruction manual uh, screen telling you like, like the points and what to do because that's simple and intuitive. Um, and then you go into the gameplay itself. It's a single screen game. And you have to, you know, eat fish, right? Yep. Um, you eat fish with your little fish, and then your fish gets bigger and then slower, 
the more fish you eat, which makes it harder, which is weird because then you're, you are then punishing being good at a game. But that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole game design issue. Did you notice that the right? levels are like 40 fish each? I mean, talk about slow, uninteresting, repetitive gameplay. I have to eat 40 fish to get through a level. That's yeah. insane. Um, and then, so that's it. You eat fish. So in terms of the graphic style, um, it's all oh, over the place. Yep. You can tell that they, they probably purchased the, the assets from, from they're, they're not matching. Like some of the stuff does not, like, like, the, like the, the, the main fish look more cartoony than the shark does. And the, and the little fish look more realistic. You can purchasing tell, like, fi- purchasing assets is, is fine. I mean, tons of places have to do it. But if you're going to do it, a one make sure that they're actually purchased, um, and 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 two, you've got to you've got to create some sort of a theme. That game looks like fucking a toy box vomited. Yes, it's not uniformed. Uh, the look. I don't understand like why like I'm seeing like the purple fish get bigger the more fish being eaten and going slower. So that might be a nice mechanism if you're playing with two people that are different skill levels but again you are punishing being good at the game it, this <laughs> this is a game that even a, a, i think a child will get tired of 10 minutes in like this is this is be, this is like a tech demo this is the same yeah. like battle Tech. this is like a tech demo to me this we're not in 1981 playing the, the original shark shark these, these are tech demos yeah that's it and they play for 20 minutes and they're um, proof of concepts and they look like they're fucking bored out of their skulls by the end of those 20 minutes no complexity just oh no different, different back oh different background for stage two and so i don't have a huge amount more to say about this this is one of the packing games if, if, if you want to feign excitement for this god bless you why not just play the original shark shark then with, with at least with at least a unique graphic style compared to this right yeah that's shark shark then there's missile command which dare i say could be the worst game thus far that we've seen of these i'm not even trying to be facetious i think i think this is the worst one no it looks miserable and it kind of completely (laughs) the original missile command was very strategic um you had to be very careful with your placement it wasn't exactly a super fast game Uh, everything on this missile command looks like spray and pray yes so here's the issue with this missile command. Um, first of all, it looks the graphic style is uninteresting. The assets of the cities look amateurish. Like again, they just purchased some asset, they dropped it in. The missile silos look cheap. They don't. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just. They look like they don't look like anything. They look. No. They look like 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 I hate to say it like red and yellow just dongs whipping around from the three. Yeah, sides. exactly. And That's the cities like. are a non-animated, like literally like a JPEG that just kind of floats there. Yeah, we'll just it copy looks really bad. It. We'll just copy and paste it over, basically. Yeah. Um, compare this to the Atari uh, a recharge one just came out. That has a nice clean graphical like vector style. Mm-hmm. It had you know it has some uniformity of look to it. Like that's what you'd want in your missile command. Missile command is clean and simple. It's clean and simple. That's missile command. You had a little little X cursor originally going around. You, you had nice vector graphics. You can see everything with the lines. This art style, the reticles are ridiculously big. Um, well, the other thing about the original missile command is like even the, that game, that old, uh, the information was presented in a way that wasn't busy or messy. Like your missile bases, it actually showed how many missiles you still had at each. You didn't need a special meter or anything like that. It was all information that could be gleaned from looking at the game. Yeah. The reticules are too big. They're busy. Um, they do have the little information of how many missiles you have on there. Great. That's fine. 
but it's too much. And then let's talk about the control scheme. So this is one of the ones that you can't do on the Switch because you use the touchpad as the cursor to aim. Um, and then you fire with, with the, with the um, I think, the control pad different ways to go, one of the three uh, uh, silos or their triggers. So if you go into the video at like 3.30, you can see the, how it's moving on screen, showing it with the controller, I guess, in Tommy or, or John's hand using the cursor. Um, as we suspected it was probably not going to be super precise i said this like two years ago oh yeah and you need precision uh, in a game like uh, missile command or at least you did in the original yes you need super precision that trackball was precise you you can use a little minute little movements yeah if you want to get rid of the smart bombs and stuff you've got to be real specific about where you're going uh this the problem is uh once it gets faster you can see them just like whipping it around just to shoot as much as they can because there's no precision and the other issue is that there is a delay it looks like and where you press it the cursor comes like after it's pressed it's not instantaneous at all um i'm not saying if we're gonna say it has to be instantaneous there's no simple way then if it's not instantaneous to go left right center left and move it quickly it'll be a mess you're never going to be able to get to the more advanced stages with with an issue well my guess is there's just not more advanced stages my well, guess is it's like, just very easy they got the stage 26 with two players and it was like a desperate like you said spray and spray and pray let's just shoot all around and get our smart bombs like that's- no strategy that's not Missile Command. Missile Command, there is some strategy in Missile Command. It's not just Twitch. Oh, yeah. No, Missile Command uh, is very strategic. And then the comments, even on the official Mika Reddit, um, the gameplay seems fine. This is one of the comments. The gameplay seems fine, but I can't get behind these graphics at all, especially after Missile Command recharged. The Atari imaginings on Amica really should have followed Breakout's lead from a visual perspective. The game, that game looks great. Certainly better than any of Atari's reimaginings of it. Well worth $2.50. Not sure about $250, though. Um, I, I, I forgot to talk about the Shark Shark uh, Amico uh, Reddit comments. Official Amico Reddit comments on Shark Shark. Oh, um, yeah. He's literally glowing over the very basic gameplay features. Got this game for free on Xbox a decade ago. It was called Feeding Friendly. $250 will get you games of this quality. Simply amazing. Um, so these are the top comments about it. Yeah. On the official Reddit. Oh, yeah, they've completely lost. Yeah, they've they've completely lost the, the plot. They have no control over it. Three levels with early two thousands flash gameplay. I think Astro Smash looks fun, but this is an absolute train wreck. Honestly, Astro Smash might be the best looking one, uh, which is not saying a huge amount. But, <laughs> no, <laughs> at all. Maybe five minutes of gameplay could be had here before getting bored and literally never booting it up again. I think it's funny how they try to say this could replace playing cards or a board game. Board games board games take more than ten minutes to play. Most of them, five, 10 minutes. The average good board game is going to run you anywhere between half an hour and an hour and a half. These games are not our experiences. They're not. No, there's not the depth. There's not the, the opportunities for banter. It, it, there's, there's nothing. Uh, do you want to talk about, did you see the multiplayer on Missile Command that Tommy himself came up with? Um, I thought I did, and I thought I understood it, but I don't know that I do anymore. It just seems like a, a race to collect the most certain colored icons. I thought it was like an air hockey thing. I thought there was like a puck you had to shoot around, but um, you got to shoot guess- the other silos and stuff. You need to like access to be able to actually target the cities and silos. Uh, it's it's one person on top, one in the bottom, and there are items you shoot for in the middle. But it just seems like a mess. It's a twitchy yeah. mess. It, to me, it looks like a twitchy mess. Me- when when it comes down to it, you look at a game like Missile Command and you look at a game like Battle Tanks, and it looks like the for a system that is supposed to rely on multiplayer the 
two games that they've showed with like a like versus multiplayer, it just appears to be well again spray and pray. Aim and shoot as much as you can. This I mean that's like what we. I'm talking about battle game tech, to me. or uh, battle tanks. What? Sorry, I cut you off. This this doesn't look like a casual game to me. Missile Command. It looks like you got to be like somewhat of a quote unquote hardcore gamer to get into this multiplayer. I don't see four year olds understanding this multiplayer. I just don't. There's nothing simple about this no. at all. Tommy must know something we don't. This is this is uh, this is Boomer Command to me. He's this is not for for four year olds. He's a genius. He's a genius. Um, yeah. So after this, though, I mean, I guess they they have a few more they can show. I guess they can show skiing. I believe Fox and Forest is, or uh, I'm sorry, Finnegan Fox is next. Is that what's next? But I think that's what's next. At some point, you're gonna you're gonna run out of um, was that which probably since that's a more of an action platform, probably is the most like longer experience than these are. Uh, there, uh, maybe you can not hold the controller upside down this time to, to troll some YouTubers. We're doing, yeah, we're doing Finnegan Fox. But at some point, though, um, even if I think I think what's more more damning about these videos, it's like yeah, these games are being developed mostly with German taxpayer money, but the people that actually want this system, the the air is coming out of the balloon. Basically, they're like, oh, this is what I've been now been waiting. Uh, over you know waiting years for yeah you're not yeah there's nothing that's going to come out and magically surprise you 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 are looking at it you are playing bottom barrel cell phone games and then guess what if you like finnegan fox well just play fox and force then it already or, exists. or if you want or, or spend five dollars on the thing that I, I no one talks about it but spend five dollars a month on apple arcade for a couple of months and get your your fill yeah, Apple Arcade has high quality app games. They're not shovelware games. They're all curated. There you go. You get your curation there. Yep. Uh, you know, you can play that. Play the nice uh, that nice Frogger game. I like that Frogger game a lot. Yeah, it was really good. All right. Anything else to add here? I guess we'll see uh, Finnegan Fox, their their, their, their version of Sonic. Oh, I I haven't done it, but I do want to point out, and I feel like someone should. Um, Someone asked about the winners of the E3 contest and also mentioned the golden ticket stuff. And Tommy had a... That was like a uh, long time ago, golden ticket stuff. Well, it was supposed to be like a once a month contest for a free, for, for a free system. Um, it was supposed to be like a running contest. Um, and uh, someone asked about the winners because I think we've even made jokes about it. Like there, that, that was just a way to get email addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, Tommy actually responded in that post on the amico uh subreddit and it was like a real quick i could i could almost hear the nervousness uh everyone was contacted and everyone received their prizes we don't announce the names unless they tell us we can't and that was it and someone was like i think legally you have to so i went and looked into it legally yes if a company holds a contest in the united states it's not even by state it looked like it was the entire u.s uh they have to present you with a list of winners otherwise they could just I don't know, make shit up. Not so give out prizes? Could, and not give out prizes so they could get your emails Commit and then say that they have a huge address. So I, I have not done it, but someone should write in television and ask for a list of the winners and see what they get. I'm not, I, I wouldn't put it beyond them to make people up, but I don't think there's any winners there. Okay, I found it. Winners of the, someone asked about the winners of the E3 competition. Someone says he has yet to announce the golden ticket winners, nine or ten consoles, and a bunch of shirts. I think one person from a foreign country claimed to have won a shirt, if I remember correctly. Um, Tommy said all of the winners were contacted and received their prizes. We only announce the winners' names if they allow us to. Someone named Uncle Bob says, I understand why this is in play. 
and I'm sure you have your ducks in a row, but you might want to have your legal team check your home state's laws and see if there's a requirement to provide a winner's list upon request, usually snail mail. Heck, so, some states require you to file a winner's list with the state. Thomas so says, I sure, look, please feel yeah. like reach out to support it on television.com. I'm sure they'll be glad to help you out. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like passing the buck um, to me, but I did look and I, I did some looking into it. And as far as I can tell, it's not a state-by-state thing. In the United States, if you hold the contest, you have to provide a winner's list. It, it's a federal thing. Got it. Yep. So okay. if anyone wants to do that, by all means, that could be interesting. F- f- you know, write a letter and see what happens. Yeah. Official, an official letter. Official and official, official letter. Registered mail. To, get to the bottom of that. I'm sure that, I, I mean, I, I feel like we would have seen all, I, I feel like Tommy would have been quick to retweet all the people very excited to win an Amico. Holding up their t-shirts at least. Or they got their yeah. t-shirts. They're, they're print, print on demand fucking shitty t-shirts. Sure. All right. Anything else to add? Or are we good? No, we're good. good. Finnick and Fox. We got to bundle these together. I can't cover each individual one. We got to bundle these games together. I think like this. There's just no, there's not enough to talk about with each individual one. No, there's not even anything like juicy or salacious to talk about. It's just a shitty fucking game. That's what I mean. Text. We're at the we're at the point now where people have to really like look at the camera straight faced and tell us that they're excited for this stuff after seeing it. And uh, I that's actually something I can't handle. I can't stand seeing these people do that. The, the, it's almost like well they had they had no shame because they keep demeaning themselves month after month year after year so i was they had no shame they they keep going lower so, you know it, it is what it is it is Can't what it is to, yep uh ian we got uh we got a patron don't we patreon.com slash ce podcast you go you exchange some money you get uh full video podcasts you get uh bonus podcast bits every bonus. week uh, I do writings. I got to try to get one to you this week, but it's uh, I'm on vacation. Hey, and, hey I'm, uh, I'm working today. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're doing a shorter podcast. Um, not shorter for me in terms of editing, but okay. Uh, and we do polls, poll topics. Yeah, we do. Uh, in, in second place, are sealed game collectors being mistreated? 38%. I had, I had a weird feeling that might get voted on out of spite to, to ruin the holiday one. But in first place, holiday gaming stories with relatives 62 percent in going back to our youth maybe even while we're older what are some of your gaming stories around the holidays with your relatives could be games you got for christmas or what they got for christmas maybe some handheld toys whatever so stuff that uh the one thing that really sticks out to me is um how popular my arch rivals machine was around the holidays uh when people would come over and we'd stand on the back porch in the freezing cold um and uh play arch rivals so that was what my first arc- you had an arcade machine you had arch rivals i've you've i've told you this i've mentioned this on the podcast more times than i can count oh no. yes pat this is just you not remembering anything um i that was my first arcade machine i had an arch rivals machine in uh, in uh, buffalo and it sat on my back porch and i really wish i had kept the board to it but i didn't know anything about it when i left it had kind of fallen into disrepair and it ended up being junked where'd you get um, it? uh i ordered it off of ebay in like t- 1999 or 2000 it was one of the weirdest purchases i've made a huge shipping truck kept driving by my house trying to find where to park because uh the person who was shipping it to me was like yeah yeah they do residential they don't do residential so i, oh. had, to go, I had to go down to a truck yard to actually pick it up and we got it home what did you pay uh, it what did you spend on it it was uh, it was a hundred it was 115 dollars plus uh, i think like a hundred shipping i think it cost oh, yeah. 200 a hundred a ship like on a freight must have been close or somewhat close. 
Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I think I wow. spent like, I think I spent like two hundred and twenty bucks on it total. Funny um, thing is that was for 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 ninety nine two thousand. You spent too much versus like my auctions. My, oh yeah, you got that for like a hundred bucks. Well, it was, it was, it was, it was oh. just the shipping that killed me. Sure. But like that, that's about for people out there. That's how much arcade machines were in the late nineties, early two thousands. They were cheap. Working machines were cheap. As long as they oh, yeah. were classic, the classics, like, like Miss Pac-Man, Pac-Man always went for a lot of money. Don Kong, those always went for a lot of money. Centipede, but like the, the, like just the regular third party games. No, there was an arcade that closed down, um, down the street from my house and I jumped on it too late, but they had multiple Pac-Man machines and they had a sign on the window. They were selling them for 200 bucks a piece and they took forever to sell. Wow. Our auctions, that would have went for more. That went for like five, 600. Miss Pac-Man's went for almost a thousand, even 20 years ago. I'm sorry. So you played it on your cold back porch or your relatives. Yep. And uh, I just, I remember that always being um, a lot of fun. And uh, other than that, Mario Kart always seemed like something that you you could find that at any you could find that at any house, uh, and that was always a good time. So but my family was never like super super into um, video games. I do remember one year them playing like um, Rock Band or something, but I just I didn't get into it. Oh, so my Rock Band story was my it's my it was like father's cousin's kids. That's like like first cousin first removed or whatever i don't know it's like you're related to them by blood but it's like you're not close cousins but you kind of, right. the one kid actually looked like me brian kind of looks at me and they got they got that guitar hero stuff back in like you know while i'm still in jersey like 2006 7 when it started blowing up around there right like mid 2000s and it was interesting that like they were they had and they were playing it and i'm like All right, i'll try this and i got into a little bit i wasn't good at it but i got into it and that was like my first foray into into the the rhythm games w- w- was back then was because they all had it they all got it the same christmas it was like the on that side of the family there was like uh like uh four or five cousins you know two sets of them there's like a uh sister and brother and a sister and brother on that mm-hmm. side and so they so we played that and i'm, I'm, I'm like the oldest besides me my sister the older of that group again not direct cousins but related and you know we, we played that Going back to like as a child, though, that's where the, obviously most of the memories are because you go to your gatherings, like you said, you meet up with like my direct cousins, of which on the one side, I had like 10, 10 direct cousins. Um, and we average the average in, the oldest to youngest was like 10, 12 years in between, something like that, something in that range, 10 years in between oldest to youngest. So if you were like 13 you, there was a three-year-old but most mostly within like three four years there and they were always had you know the new the new nes games and and, and we would all gather around and play there was a uh my one aunt had like a game for the kids they had like a cool like uh toy play slash game room they had like off the edge of the house they had all their toys there was couches they had their own tv little brats had their own tv had their own oh yeah console. my cousin i i, I had um, a couple of cousins with something like that too and it was always i was always very jealous <laughs> yeah they had their own fucking playroom i didn't have my own playroom we played in the back room where the, the rec room where the TV was in the in the, in the furnace. It was like the, one of the haunted rooms of Castle, not, not Castle Country. Well, I guess my parents. But anyway, so um, so we'd always play the newest game there. Uh, but at that same aunt's house, we always did the, the Secret Santa between the cousins. So the aunts and uncles would would get the the cousins' gifts. And so the one year, I, I might have told this story on my Christmas video that came out last year. I need spun Christmas video about what I got for Christmas each year, video game stuff. People were amazed. I remember what video game stuff I got each year. It's like, no, I remember that stuff. I remember it. Uh, the years were off here and there. Then I figured out what years based upon when the games were released. And then the one year 
uh, me and my two other uh, cousins, the, the closest of, of the three boy cousins, we're all within a year or two. We got the three Radio Shack handheld games. Um, oh, uh, nice. The tank battle, the racing one, and uh, highway, highway, tank yeah. battle, alien attack. That's it. Um, the, the OG ones from like 86, 87. That's when we've, they, re, they redesigned and came out with them again. We released them, but the little, the little rectangles one, rectangle ones. Damn, I miss Rio Shack. They did their own toys, they did their own handheld games every year. What a great Texas corporation. I think it was Texas. So the one year we, we all three of us got that. And I was jealous because tank battles seem more fun than highway. It's highway, you're picking up fucking hitchhikers for some reason and it's and it's you're not killing I loved highway it's super simple but it's, i actually i think is, that's my favorite one it is fun though but yeah. my cousin chris wouldn't let me play he wouldn't even let me try tank battle like you let me try it crazy like, ah. there's my cousins were selfish and then uh alien attack i didn't play either i just felt weird because i got highway they got the ones blasting aliens and tanks and i got fucking highway but i love highway i i ended up keeping that same exact one to this day they ended up buying one on eBay complete in the box just for the hell of it as well. Oh, nice. The, the, the original, like I said, the OG ones, they re-released them, I think, like in the late 80s, early 90s with different design. They weren't, they weren't rectangles anymore. They were like, they put extra shit on the top and bottom. Like it was slightly non-squared off the, 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 the case. The original highway was uh, red, right? Orange. Orange. Okay, yeah. Maybe I'm colorblind, but to me it was orange. Or, orange, uh, tank battle was blue, and yellow was the alien uh, attack one. So that was a, a big one. And then, of course, I, uh, every year after that, for a few years, everyone had their Tiger handhelds you bring over. Uh, I don't think, I, oh, well, no, but those, the three brother cousins I always talk about, of course, I had a fucking Game Boy. Of course, I did. But I would bring, I brought over like my Double Dragon or Ninja Gaiden handheld. You know, you, you get sick in the car playing those. That's the thing I remember. Like, I had to stop playing them in the car because I would get, you get your head would get weird with the motion. You get, I, get, I would get sick. Oh, I get real sick. I get real sick if I, uh, if I tried to read. Yeah, anywhere you get the, the focus off from the movement does something to some, not everyone, but some people. It does something to that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm definitely one of those people that does something too. Not on a plane though, because I guess a plane you're you're moving so quickly you don't realize it, and you're above the, above the earth, you're not feeling it. But um, yeah, that, that's that's some of the memories there. I'm trying to think of a, of, of, of a specific game memory that happened around around Christmas, where like I went over and it was a, a brand new game um, that everyone was playing. It's probably escaping me uh, right now. But I'm guessing there was probably 89 or 90. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of who had Super Mario Brothers 2. They probably got that Christmas that I wanted. Didn't, I got this as Zelda 2. That would have been, what, 88? I'm trying to remember if that would have happened. I'm guessing it would have happened, and we probably shared it. We probably, we probably played that We probably played that in that rec room at my one aunt's place with all the kids. Watch. We probably all played Super Mario 2. We probably did that. Yeah. Um, I already get that, though, that year. Real quick, I do remember our uh, our type RC Pro Am being a big uh, holiday game. Like the first year or the second year, I got my NES. I think it's like eighty eight or so. Yeah, um, it just happened to be something my uncle got me, and I remember sitting around and playing that. That's an older memory, though. Uh, real quick, though, uh, just because you mentioned Zelda too, Vani got me uh, one of those Zelda one of them Zelda game watches. Zelda, uh, yeah, for Christmas. Fucking love that thing. I've been playing Zelda two on it. It's really right. nice. That yeah. screen. That screen is that's got to be a different screen than the Mario one. Mm-hmm. I just don't remember because that screen is super nice, like very nice for the size. Yeah, I just yeah, it's awesome. My only complaint was maybe over time you, you, you're straining because the characters are so small, like a constant movement. Well, yeah. sure. I mean, but that's any tiny handheld. Sure. 
you got to take breaks. And then you, you point out that there's a little, the LED of the tri, Triforce, Triforce on the back of the case. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'd like, no one's pointed that out. That made me so happy when I saw it. I was you, like, that's really cute. You, t- you text me randomly. You missed this in the review. And I was like, yeah. I was like, a review of what? We just did a review in the podcast of like the, the of the pocket. And he's like, oh no, it's like, it's the fucking Zelda game watch from like two months ago. Whenever we went over, <laughs> we went over that November. Does time mean anything anymore this year? Jesus, it, it does not. Slower, fast. What are you looking at? It does not mean anything. Uh, I was uh, looking up the highway, uh-huh. uh, and I found Air Pinball, which is interesting. Air Pinball. Yeah, it's a Radio Shack thing. A la- later one. Yeah. Only three that first year. Um, but all right, that's, that's our holiday gaming stories. Yeah. With, with relatives, at least. Obviously, we all got Akari Warriors and our spy hunters and played the hell out of them when we first got them. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think the Christmas of 91. Um, yeah, someone must have got Super Mario World and Super Nintendo. I, mean, I got mine then. I got mine. I remember a couple days after Christmas, I got mine. I told that story before. Yeah. Picked it up at Sixth, Sixth Avenue with with uh, Christmas cash and re- returned gift cash to get it and we got it sixth avenue somehow it was cheaper i remember that like there was like a deal on it instead of it being like whatever it was when it came out like 250 or 200 it was like it was like 10 dollars cheaper somehow i don't know if my uncle finagled the, the, the person working there i don't know i think there was like there, some sort of weird thing happened where it wasn't wasn't the the the, the, the msrp hmm. i don't know maybe he stole it i have no idea but no my cash went towards that i think it was 250 when it came out the super nintendo i think I'm not positive. I want to think it was. Uh, that yeah. seems about right. So anyway, well, that, that's our fun. Uh, well, hopefully you make your own memories this year playing games with relatives. That's right. With your with your with your Nintendo Switches, <laughs> and PS5s, and your analog pockets, and all that good fun fun stuff. All right, we got uh, we got voicemails, don't we? Yeah, let's do a couple. Anchor.fm slash to see you podcast. You go. You leave messages. You hopefully uh, don't insult us too much. Hi, Pat. Hi, Ian. Name's Ash. Love the podcast. Hi, Ash. Um, my question for you guys is, what are some video game secrets or, like, things that, you know, you discovered or unlocked as a kid that completely, like, blew your mind upon uh, discovering it? For me, it was uh, Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland. After you hit all the big red buttons in both normal and extra mode, extra, you know, being the half-health playthrough, uh, you would unlock Meta Nightmare and you could play it through the entire game as Meta Knight. And I thought that was just so cool. And it just, you know, I was so ex- excited about it. But uh, yeah, so keep up the good work with the podcast. What blew your mind, Ian? Uh, I mean, I'm just going to go back to Mario 1. I mean, uh, the first time my parents showed me the Warp Zone, um, it it did something to my brain. I don't know. It was you can skip ahead in a game. It was more like video games aren't these rigid things that I thought they were. Like there's uh-huh. stuff hidden in them. There's like things to explore. I, I can't really, I can't properly explain. It, but seeing that was just it opened up a, a whole new world. Um, you know, I'd played video games before that, but like computer games, arcade game ports. I had never seen something as big and as thought out as Mario. You know, not only were there these whole worlds. But there were secrets. There were things you could skip. There were vines to find. Um, I know it sounds really simple now, but I'm I'm fucking 39 years old, and I mean that that's where. Why didn't you bring it up in the, the last segment? You were gaming with relatives. It was super hard well, because that's because that's, 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 that wasn't really. I don't. Well, that yes, that would have been around Christmas, but um, I was thinking like extended family. Oh, 
Relatives um, are, are your brother yeah. and sister? Yeah. But uh, seeing the warp zone for the first time, uh, yeah, shocked me. Shocked me to my core. To your core. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it, yeah. I've never played through Symphony of the Night. i got to play that. Jeez, you really need to play that one. Pat, you really are sleeping on one of the <laughs> greatest games of all time, man. You have to play Symphony of the Night. Get yourself the Japanese version on the Sega Saturn. No. Or the PlayStation 1. Yes. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. You really, really need to get to it. I mean, it's it's available on just about everything at this point. I'll get to that. I'll get to it. I played the one on the, um, what was the DS one with the guy with the white hair? I played a decent amount of that. That's a really good one, uh, Aria of Sorrow. Uh, yeah, I played some of that one. I, I, I take some getting used to like the the sort of the, the newer style Castlevania. But no, I liked it. I liked it. That was that was um, that was voice message section for a second there, right? Yeah, it was like yeah, a it really loop. threw me off. Someone's gonna record that and then comment on that. <laughs> it'll be it'll be, it'll be re-nested. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is John from Belleville, Kansas. Hey, John. My question is: If either of you guys lived in Vegas, would you consider being the video game experts for the Pawn Stars? Love the show. Keep up the good work. Thanks. Well, that, that, that'd be a funny job. It used to be um, uh, Johnny, the, Johnny the Toy Guy did it for my appearance and for a couple others. And I think there was something that happened with that. There was a falling out. And I think Johnny stopped appearing. Now it's, you know, I guess whoever's driving in the car with the person that has the sealed games becomes the expert. Right. Yeah. The expert's my friend that's, that's coming <laughs> along with the ride and, and talking about my sealed games. Seems, uh, seems questionable. Speaking of questionable, uh, what's his name from... Uh, from uh, from uh go collect well someone sent me a link they were on pawn stars trying to sell a comic um the guy that that lied about keeping the nintendo age forms and database up uh that 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 uh nice person and someone pointed out to me he was just on to try to push a pump a comic probably the same sort of thing you know probably the same sort of deal sleazy deal there uh let's see next one here Tommy Tallarico here, and if you're wondering where are all these Tommies coming from, I'd say, hey, if Spider-Man can do it, then why not me? Okay, for people saying the Amico may or may not exist, please, people love mythical consoles. Sega Neptune, boom. Nintendo PlayStation, boom. And the Intellivision Amico, boom. And if you're still not convinced, then take it from Shiggy himself. Yeah, that's what I call Miyamoto-san these days, Shiggy. One day he says to me, Tommy, you delivered my firstborn son while we were hiking along the Sanobi River. Please call me Shiggy. So one barbecue weekend, he says, hey, Tommy, you know, console scarcity has worked wonders for Nintendo. And yet still people say to me, but Tommy, don't you feel bad that on Christmas morning, millions of children are going to be frothing at the mouth as they rip open their gifts, hoping for an Amico, only to be disappointed by a Nintendo Switch. And then boom, they smash it through the living room window in disgust. Well, hey, they're not my windows. Okay, that's the last you'll ever hear from me. So audio. Okay. That's a clearly fake Tommy. Yeah, that seems fake. But you know what? To break the fourth wall, that he he has the the the, the voice mannerism and shakiness of Tommy Tommy. That's a fairly close how Tommy actually speaks when you listen to like like hey like, like I'm gonna have to veto uh, all further Tommies. Okay. I just we, we can't have any fake Tommies in the show. But I'm saying that that no. wasn't bad. That wasn't a bad impression. But we don't want, we have our real Tommy that calls in, so we can't have, we, can't, we don't want the fakes. We don't want the fakes like that. But no, I actually think that was a pretty good impression. 
Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Alex from Wisconsin. Uh, curious as to what your favorite junk food is you like to indulge in. Uh, myself, I am a total sucker for a Slim Jim. If I see it at the checkout of a grocery store or a convenience store or what have you, I will likely pick it up and uh, rip into it. I don't even know if that's real meat, but by God, I love it. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. Love the podcast. And remember to always snap into a Slim Jim. Yeah. That wasn't bad. Um, I love a uh, I love a Tabasco Slim Jim. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Thing? I don't know that. Tabasco Slim Jim. Uh, love them dearly. Um, other than that, I, I have occasionally eaten a Tijuana Mama. Uh, and those are generally highly frow- frowned upon. Uh, those are spicy pickled sausages that you can get at the gas station. Ooh, that seems like a risk. It is. <laughs> that it's absolutely like Rus- a risk. Russian roulette via food. Ooh, 100% not, not a great idea. Ooh, but I love not, it. Not, we eat gas, gas station sushi than that. Um, uh, nachos. That counts as junk food. I, I mean, I always, there's a restaurant that has nachos with like some protein, like chicken or carnitas. You're ordering them. I have to order them. I try to say, oh, it's for the table, right? No, it's for me. But it's just an excuse to get people to eat. Yeah. You got to do that. And brownie sundaes. I mean, that's more of a dessert, but like I have to order a brownie sundae as well. Like those are like the two things that you have to get uh, for sure. Uh, let's see. Next one here. Hey, Batman. This is Michael from Iowa. Um, just real quick question for you guys. Um, what are your thoughts on big companies buying up game studios um, like Bethesda being sold to Microsoft, pretty much excluding anyone that does not own a Microsoft product for the upcoming Elder Scrolls game? Uh, love the show. Thanks. Well, I mean, there's no choice because otherwise, like I've always said, these, these consoles aren't really different anymore. They're just high-end PCs, so they have to buy these companies or else there's no reason that they can't compete. But from a business aspect, yeah. sure, but I mean, that doesn't mean I have to like it. I think, oh, it's, no. I think it's dog shit, and I think people who cheer for this because they are still attached to a console and they treat everything like fucking sports are goddamn idiots. I, I hate it. There's nothing good about a giant company buying up studios for exclusives. Oh, no. There's literally nothing good about it. It becomes uh-huh. like movies then. And yeah. now with movies, there's no like medium-sized movies anymore. They're either really small, they're fucking tentpole huge pieces. Yep. Uh, it's either you go all in on a big one or it's a small one where, you know, it doesn't really cost much so we can, we can, we, we can make some money and who cares. There's not like these medium-sized movies anymore. And I probably will see, we'll probably see something similar for games, unfortunately. You'll have your indie darlings. We're already there, man. I mean, that was the, that was the PlayStation 4 uh, to a T and it's only, you know, happening more with the PlayStation 5 and that goes for the Xbox consoles. You have your handful of AAA games a year and then everything else is coming out at and indie is not the right word but if you want to use indie as a term for an aesthetic you have your 2d or smaller 3d games coming out uh and that, there, there, there's 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 no double a games anymore yeah which is a shame because there should be room for that and now it's like totally controlled by by okay well, it's like being counters basically yeah. that's what it comes down to there's no more there's less and less art involved mm-hmm when it comes to it, it's just we know it's going to make money. We're going to we're going to put it out from off of a, a, a freaking uh, uh, spreadsheet here. Okay, next one here. Hey guys, this is Eli from Canton, Ohio. I just had Eli a question man. for you. What horror movies do you think would make some good video games? Maybe Human Centipede, the Tiger Electronic Handheld, <laughs> or Halloween Kills, <laughs> the Hyperscan. Let oh. me know, guys. Thanks. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. There was um, a thing video game, right? On on the on the PS3, was it a PS2? There was a thing game on the PS2. I've never played it. Um, there was actually a Halloween on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they do they do this, but I, I yeah, I mean, something like the I, I would like to see like Friday the Thirteenth on the Microvision. That would be cool on the Microvision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the horror is seeing if we can play the damn thing because it's it, the, the screen's fucking gone. Uh huh. Hey Pat. Hey Ian. This is Will out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. Chattanooga. Pat, I often see you on social media interacting with my boys from OSW Review, Jay Hunter. V1 and Mr. OOC. It's so my question for you, Pat, is who is in your boy stable? And Ian, if you're also a fan, same question. Thanks, y'all. So the boy stable is like, who are your favorite wrestlers that weren't popular, weren't like world champions, like the ones that you don't think of, like the ones that are like, they're, they're just like the, the, the throwaways. All right. I had to think about this, but I have my list and it's usually five. All okay. right. The one, you know, Disco Inferno is the captain of my boys' table. I'm in love with the Disco Inferno character as a wrestler. Lovable loser. It's ridiculous. I actually thought he was a decent worker. And he had the, and he had the Stone Cold Stunner ripoff. For a joke wrestler to have the Stone Cold Stunner is incredible. The chart buster. He's one. The Killer Bees. WWF mid-80s tag team. Uh, Brian Blair, I think, and I forget the same one. I love them, and I don't know why. I love them. They put on their masks in order to trick the other team, but the ones always one the ones um, mullet curly mullet always came through the bomb because I can always tell which one was which. He took off his headphones. All right, so that's a Avatar. Al Snow did this weird character called Avatar during the New Generation. I want to say it was like ninety four to ninety six. Did this character called Avatar? It started really cool. It was a masked wrestler, and for some reason, I really liked the character. And it became a jobber, unfortunately. But I would get so excited watching Superstars. Oh, my God, there's Avatar. It was always part of a tag team that lost. And then finally, uh, Billy Jack Haynes. Uh, Billy Jack Haynes was, a, was a, I think, a Northwest wrestler. Came to WWF for like a few years. He, he had, he had the, uh, the full Nelson as a finisher. Um, he had his own LGN figure, I believe. He had a feud <laughs> with uh, Hercules Hernandez before, they, before it became Hercules. Around I want to say it was around WrestleMania three, where... Um, they went over who had the best full Nelson. And I'll never forget Billy Jack Haynes because I watched MSG Network uh, where they would show once a month when they did the events, they would show them live uh, from Mass Square Garden. Billy Jack Haynes uh, fought Cowboy Bob Orton. It was probably 86. I'll never forget it. They did a roll-up with the tights. And right in front of the ca- camera, Billy Jack Haynes, bare ass. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Full moon right in front of the camera. And I think since they, were, they did them live, they couldn't edit that out. Washington oh, Network. So that's my that's my boy stable. What about you, Ian? Uh, I'm just gonna run. Hey, uh, Hiroki, high sixty nine. Gonna go with him. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Stalker Ichikawa. Not familiar. Uh, Survival Tobita. This is all Japanese wrestling. I'm not familiar with. Okay. Uh, and then let's see. I gotta grab a couple of U.S. ones. Canyon, I guess, wouldn't count, would he? Because he was too popular. He was popular. At, at the end. At the end, he was too popular. Yeah. Um, La Parca. La Parca was kind of popular too, but okay. La Parca was, I mean, if, if we're talking Mexico, La Parca was huge. But, but, but even in WCW, he got a, he had people cheering for him. I remember. Oh, that. No, I, I took I took signs to all the events for La Parca. Yeah. Uh, and I would need I need a fifth. Someone has someone has to verify the Japanese ones because I don't I'm not familiar with them. Um yeah, come on. There's no one from the 80s that you like that was kind of like a loser? No. No, not really. Oh. Don Fuji. We'll go with another Japanese wrestler. Oh, jeez. You're killing me. 
I'll do do a couple. That's what I watched. <laughs> All right, couple more here. Hey, Pat. Hey, this is Josh again. My question is: If you guys could go back in the '80s and be on a game show, what would you want to be on? Maybe Supermarket Sweep, Legend of the Hidden Temple. I'd probably love to go to uh, Toys R Us and be the kid that got the uh, shopping cart and got to put all the toys in his cart. Thanks, guys. Well, that was a contest Nickelodeon did every year. That wasn't a game show, but that would have been fantastic. The Nickelodeon toy run uh, was like the dream come true. You got five minutes in a Toys R Us. Yeah. Then, then it became a fucking uh, KB after all. I guess it was a lost the license by the, like the mid 90s, but it used to be for years. Like that was like the fucking dream. And they did it once a year. They, they did one boy and one girl, five minutes, shopping cart, run through a Toys R Us, an empty Toys R Us. And as a kid, you would think about that like night and day. What would I go for? Eventually, people are like, right. well, you get all the game slips, and you get the games, or go. I guess I guess they must allow you to go in the back and get the video games. There might have been a limit to that because you could take twenty thousand dollars worth of video games probably in five minutes at least if you just got all of them. Like, well, I I remember watching those before. I remember watching them, and it was like even though the video games were slips, when they did those contests, it looked like they put out specific things, so like you couldn't grab. You could oh, just really? go and, yeah, and grab all the slips. Like you could grab most of the toys, but the video game section, it looks, I remember like seeing like physical systems and boxes out. They put them out. Pro- you couldn't like just say, Hey, I'm going to get 50 Super Mario threes. You know what right, I mean? Right. Exactly. You couldn't just grab a stack of the slips and then go resell them or whatever. Become the original reseller in 1988. <laughs> um, I would do fun house. I thought Funhouse always looked so fucking cool. It looked fun, even though it was so hard to win. I think I think it was like a ten percent of the time someone actually won that freaking thing. It looked very hard to do that. Yes, I would do like two more here. Hey, Pat and Ian, this is Garrett over in Auburn, Alabama. I teach English at a nearby university, and I'm thinking about putting together a video game studies group or class. <laughs> if you were going to teach something like this at a university what would the name of the class be and what are some of the games that you put on the syllabus thanks so much love the podcast huh interesting we were asked a question about remember, like what, what would you do for like a video game like hangout thing like a like a like a activity group we talked about maybe focusing on a console each, <laughs> each week or each time wow the syllabus for a like a game studies class i guess you have to do like some of the more influential games and track them through through the decades i guess i don't want to uh cop out with an answer here but my easy suggestion would be if, if, if this is a serious question like you want some help on it look at the games that the strong museum has nominated um every year for yep. the past few years because very rarely do pat and i look at those and um go well that shouldn't be on there all of them are there for good reason and the thing that i really like about what they choose to nominate is they they're all over uh the genres you get like you know windows solitaire doom SimCity. like they they really do a good job of covering all the different genres um and eras so I, i i would i would start there and look at what they've suggested what they've nominated um, I think nomination is good enough in this instance. They don't necessarily have to be winners, but look at that as a pool of games to maybe check out. All right, two more. You kept saying that. Hi, Pat. Hi, Ian. This is Aaron from Durham in the UK. This is mainly a question for Ian. When you were working at Luna, what was the worst slip-up you made at the store? For example, accidentally accepting a counterfeit or selling a game to a customer for the wrong price. Love the podcast. I want to get this one in because this is a good clickbait one. Um, so I was, it was two Christmases ago at Luna and, uh, and I'm still mad at these people. It was extremely busy. I was the only person um, 
on that day. I can't remember, like someone had to call in sick or something. Anyways, someone was buying about $150 worth of Super Nintendo games and someone else was buying like $10 worth of PS2 games. And I accidentally put the Super Nintendo games into the bag with the PS2 games. And I re- and, and I remember Treg telling me because I, I could not find the games and I freaked out. So I called Treg and had him look at the security camera and the people picked up their bag, looked in it, looked at each other and walked out the door. Oh, they knew they got extra stuff and didn't say anything. Yep. And I mean, that was on me. But uh, yeah, I, I still I still burn up over that one. There was never anyone got a counterfeit in uh, on you. I've never taken a counterfeit. No. You, don't, you don't count the NWC as a slip up. That was. <laughs> I mean, that was a slip up. Sure. But I mean, it wasn't a counterfeit. It was me not paying attention to a bag full of sports games. That's true. That's true. All right. Uh, we got we got one more. Hey, guys, don't let anybody tell you that you can't have an Amico Christmas just because the Amico is not coming out this year, okay? Because the real Amico is the friends we made along the way. Am I right, bro? I was trying to get this thing out this year, but all these people on the team were saying, Tommy, there's not even a 1% chance we can get it out in time. And I said, never tell me the odds. But can't get it out, can't promote an Atari age anymore. We do have Long Beach Public Access TV now, so there's that. And I know you guys are going to keep bashing me, but what's with that chick, Boxandra, who was running her pie hole about me last week? Listen, I'm used to taking that from you guys, but I will be damned if I got to take it from some Jersey skank, okay? All right, that was mean. It's Christmas, I should tell you. I got you guys presents. Ian, I'm giving you my Ferrari in NFT form. You'll love it. I even changed the oil for you. And Pat, I got you a free jar of my bath water. Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks, Tommy. Looking forward. It's good to hear from the real Tommy. Good to hear from the real Tommy. Merry Christmas to you, Tommy Tallarico. I hope you have a nice restful Christmas. Because definitely the Miko is going to come out Q1 2022. We just know it. We we know it's not going to miss the, a fourth release date. We know no, it. Absolutely not. Well, that's it for the podcast. That's it. We're done. This was this was reasonable. It was wasn't that bad. We, not, not a lot, of, not a huge amount going on. No, this week. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see you back. Ian's gonna be back here next week in person. We'll unwrap some gifts. I'll keep up the tinsel and the LED and the LCD lights for Ian for one extra week. I'm the type yeah. of person though. Like two days after Christmas, the stuff's good, done. The tree comes down. I don't like lingering. Sure. Also because, also because I get super depressed the day after Christmas. December 26th to me is like the, the worst day of the year. Yeah, um, it's like oh, it's over. It's over. It's done. I fucking hate New Year's. So I don't even get started. Oh, New Year's. New Year's sucks. Um, so I take everything down and like just let all the the negativity wash over me after the highs of Christmas. It's like okay, now it's back to your shitty life. <laughs> and now it's over. No more good food. No, the good food lasts like a good week. Yeah, a good week of leftovers you get until like early January. You can let that that fresh uh, fresh mozzarella and and uh, the provolone cheese that, that lasts a good week and a half. And the extra anchovies. I'm starving now. Okay, I gotta go. We done? Yep. Bye, everyone. Merry Christmas, Ian. Merry Christmas. You almost like you didn't want to say that to me. Okay. Merry Christmas.